The Latter-day Lives podcast is not owned or operated by The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Any opinions expressed or implied in this recording are solely those of the host and guests and not of any specific organization, unless otherwise stated. Hello, friends. Welcome to another episode of the Latter-day Lives podcast. My name is Sean Rapier. I am your host and so glad that you have decided to join us again this week. Uh, once again, we are doing video and we will be putting this up on YouTube as well as on our Facebook page. And what an incredible show we have for you this week. Uh, before we jump into our guest, I have kind of a cool announcement, a new project that we're working on uh, this Thursday night from the time of the uh, airing of this episode. It'll be Thursday, September 6th at 7 o'clock p.m. If you remember my former guests, comedian Michael Berkland, who is just one of the funniest guys ever, and then former guest Stephen Jones, who, of course, is on Random Acts and is a comedian himself, and Ken Craig, the improv actor comedian we also had on. The four of us are starting a new Facebook Live show. Uh, this week, it'll be a rotating number of guests. We'll have a bunch of different comedians coming in and out each week. Uh, it's called Linger Longer Live, and it's going to be this Thursday night at 7 p.m. Mountain Time. That's 7 p.m. Utah Time. And basically, it'll be Facebook Live. You can put in your questions, but each time we do an episode, we're not sure how often we'll do them, but basically, we want to get four Latter-day Saint comedians or actors together to talk about cultural topics. So this week will be our first one. She's going to talk about what it means to be a member of the church, and hopefully it'll be fun and entertaining. Please join us. Uh, you can check us out on Facebook at uh, Linger Longer Live. That's the name of the group. Uh, this week on the show, holy cow, do we have a show for you. My guest, Williamson Sintel, actually reached out to me, and I don't want to do anything to spoil his story, but I promise you, you are going to be thinking about his story for weeks to come. I cannot get it off my mind. I was emotional all day the day we recorded. And if you ever get a chance to meet Williamson in person, he is one of the greatest men I have ever met. His faith is astonishing. Oh, boy, does he have a story to tell. It's just incredible. Uh, I'm really, really excited about this episode. And uh, on the day that we are releasing the show, it is Labor Day. And this week in my Latter-day life, I'm going to tell you why I absolutely love Labor Day. It's all coming up for you, so sit back, relax, and enjoy this week's conversation. And it is my pleasure to have here in the Latter-day Live studio a young man, with such an amazing story to tell. Uh, Williamson Sintel. Am I saying it right? I feel like oh, yeah, I keep messing yeah. it up. No, you're good. That's Williamson perfect. Sintel. Yeah. Okay. Williamson Sintel is my guest. Williamson, welcome. Thank you. Um, it's such a privilege for me to be here, and thank you for having me. Now, the privilege is all mine. So Williamson reached out to me uh, from our Facebook page and uh, has, has done High Five Live and has done some other things. What a story to tell. So, Williamson, let's go back. We have so many things to cover on the show today. But first of all, tell us a little bit about where you're from. Well, I'm from Haiti, and it's close to Dominican Republic, the same highland. I was raised in Haiti and born in Haiti, and I was raised by such great parents. Yeah. People have been sacrificed their life to help me be where I am today. And yeah, I'm from Haiti. 
I'm That's, 25 years old. What city are you from in Haiti? I'm from Port-au-Prince. So Port-au-Prince is the biggest city in Haiti, yes? Yeah, it's the biggest city. Yeah. It's the capital. Capital city. Yeah. Yeah, that's. I've never been to Haiti. Uh-huh. Uh, I'd like to go sometime. I will take you there one day. I would love to go, yeah. but uh, but so you were born and raised in Haiti. Now, are your family members of the church? So my younger siblings they are members, but my parents did not. Your parents are not members no, of the not church. Members, but my mom she go to church every Sunday, and she helps me to go on my mission. You know. <laughs> Yeah, she paid my mission for me. That's amazing. Yeah. So tell me how you came into contact with the church if your family are not members. Well, um, I'm a survivor from the earthquake in Haiti. And yeah. I, I got baptized six months after the earthquake. So let's talk a little bit about the earthquake yeah. since it happened before you got baptized. What year was the, was the big earthquake? It was 2010. Yeah, yeah, and it was massive. Oh, man, it was like the saddest experience of my life. And um, it's always sad for me to share this story. And But I just always want to share this story because I want to show people how the Lord works in every details of our lives, you know? Yeah. And just because of that earthquake, I learned so many things. I was able to connect with God. And I feel like... Um, I feel like... Um, Without that earthquake, I will never be where I am today in my life. Oh, what perspective. Yeah. That is awesome. So the earthquake, where were you when the earthquake happened? It was a Tuesday right after school. So usually in Haiti, I went to private school. In high school, you have to stay after school hmm. to do homework together with your classmate every day. Oh, wow. And that day, my mom, she was at work and she felt that she needs to go pick me up. She needs to leave work right now to come pick me up. And she left work and came pick me up from my school. And I didn't ask her why she came pick me up. And I just jumped in the car. And she dropped me off to my dad's orphanage because my parents, they own a few orphanages in Haiti. And she dropped me off to my dad's orphanage. While I was at the orphanage, talking with the kids, the earthquake happened. While you were at the orphanage with yeah. kids, the earthquake happened. We were in the, on the bottom floor of three-story of building. Oh, my. Yeah. And so how big, do you know, like Richter scale, how big the earthquake was? It was close to 8.0, I will say oh. 7.9. So I'm from California, where we had, growing up, we had some pretty big earthquakes, uh -huh. but I don't remember anything that big. And part of the issue with Haiti, is the infrastructure. Yeah, they don't build a house like we build here. Yeah, the buildings know? are a different code. Yeah. That's for sure. How old were you then in, in 2010? I was 16. So you were 16 when this yeah, happened. I was a teenager. Yeah, so, so how was the building where you were? It was like destroyed, you know? We on the bottom floor, and I remember there was 12 kids on that orphanage, in that orphanage, and we were all together. The earthquake just happened, and I grabbed one boy, and he was underneath me the whole time. And the other 11 kid, kids close nearby, they were yelling, crying, and I was doing the same thing. And I remember we spent the whole night like this, crying. And at the end of that night, there was a voice who came to my mind and said, Stop using your voice, because the more you use your voice, the more tired you get, you're going to pass away. I just heard that Were you voice. trapped in the building then? Yeah. You were trapped in the building? Yeah. Had, you were on the third floor, so had the, had the floors come down? I was on the bottom down? floor. No, you were on the bottom floor of a three-floor three building. Yeah. 
And so the building came down? Uh-huh. The building collapsed. Oh, my gosh. On top of each one of us. That was the hardest experience of my life. And sharing this experience, it's always hard for me because I can't believe I'm here in front of you today, you know? And I remember, I remember I stopped using my voice because I heard that voice who said, stop using your voice. And I stopped. And the next day, for the first time of my life, I was Catholic. For the first time of my life, I said a prayer to God. And I remember I said to God, if you save me, I am going to serve you. And I didn't know how, but I knew I would find a way to serve him. And right after I said that prayer, I felt someone on my back. I didn't feel any pressure anymore. I didn't feel any heavy stuff. I felt someone, like a skin of someone on my back. Mm -hmm. And that's when I started feeling that, yes, I'm going to make it. And this boy was underneath me, keep asking me, how are we going to make it? And I felt so strongly to tell him, yes, we're going to make it. Yes, we're going to make it. And that's when I heard my parents' voice. They were looking for us. And I started using my voice again because they were so close and they heard me and they started digging because they didn't have tools to get me out. They started digging, digging, digging from from the top to the bottom. Mm -hmm. And they finally saw where I was and they said a rope so I can tie on my neck. And I tied that rope on my neck to get me out, but I couldn't because my right arm was stuck with a bunch of rock. And what, what they have to do, they have to make another hole from the north part so they can remove stuff on top of my arm. That's how they were oh able to get me. Oh, my gosh. Was a, was such a hard time. Williamson, how long were you in there? I was there for 27 hours. You spent 27 hours? Yeah. Trapped in the rubble of a building? Yeah, in the minutes they were about to get me out. I was a minute away from dying. And if they have to wait for one more minute, because I was so tired, I was so hungry. Yeah, and thirsty. They, yeah, so thirsty. Ugh. And that minute, that was the minute that I was going to pass away. Ugh. Williamson, this is the most amazing thing. How, and I, I don't even want to ask, but how were the rest of the orphans? They died. The other and the thing died. is, not only they died, my 25 classmates died because my school was collapsed too. And if I didn't leave my school, if my mom didn't come pick me up, I wouldn't be able to make it. So all of your classmates died? Yes, from that earthquake. And I can, I can remember the faces because I was the president of my class and we were so close. Mm. So... Uh, do you know what the death toll was approximately? In Haiti? Yeah. Do you know about how many people died mm-hmm. at all? I don't, I, I don't know what it is. So I don't know. The number up. might be 200,000 something, but I don't remember. Yeah, it was. I just remember it was so... It, it was hard to process from here, like seeing the destruction and yeah. seeing the rubble. Like I just couldn't even get my head around oh, yeah. what that all meant. I mean, that's just amazing. Because right after the earthquake... If you just had something, they were going to, like, my arm was was broken, and I have to go to Cuba. If I had to stay in Haiti, they were going to cut my arm, because we didn't have any doctor at that time. So if you have a problem in your feet, they're just going to cut your foot. 
If you have a problem in your arm, they're just going to cut it. That's the only result they do have. They did have. So, I, I, and you're dealing with all this at 16 years at old. 16 years old. Oh my gosh. But your parents both lived. Yeah, they both lived. Yeah. Yes. Oh, and then you have siblings. Yeah, I do have five siblings. Yes. And did your siblings all live through this? No, they were they were okay because they were at my parents' house because I was at the orphanage, which is where I always go to yeah. work with my dad and make money. What a miracle. Your whole family was saved. Yeah. I, I can't, I mean, that is, Williamson, that's a miracle. That is such a blessing. Yeah, it is But your own story, to be trapped for 27 hours and to spend all that time and then to make that promise to God. Yeah. What? So you get done with the earthquake and now your world is gone. Yeah, because right after the earthquake, we didn't have no water, no food. and But for me, because we are living in a tent for for months, but for me, that was the beginning of something greater, something much better for my life. Because after the earthquake, I felt that I have something special to do. And I, I go back to school. I study, study, study. And I take my life so seriously. And I found God. My life, my life has changed. I got baptized. That's when I joined the church. And right after, my, right after I, I got baptized... I was able to go to Dominican Republic Temple, and I did baptism for 59 of my ancestors. So so I want to go back to your conversion story. Yeah. I just don't want to miss a thing. I mean, Williamson, I want to hear every detail of this. This is the most amazing story of faith, of perseverance, of tragedy. I mean, just incredible. Let's talk about, you you, you said you were raised Catholic. Yeah. And your parents are not uh, members of the church. No, they're not. So how did you find the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints? Like I said, we were living in a tent, like anything. You were living in a tent. Was this like a huge tent with a, a lot of people? No, it was No, it's just your family? Yeah, just my family. And I remember there was a morning because I, I did have a little, I had a little computer. I used to play music and I was inside of the tent. And this guy just passed by and he just... And I saw him, and, and he said, what are you listening? I said, I'm listening to some music, and I invited him over because I didn't have friends. My whole life was going to yeah. school, going to school. My mom was so strict. I can't watch TV only on Saturday. And this guy came over, and when he came over, and I introduced him to my mom, and my mom was making some coffee because we drank a lot of coffee before, and my mom offered him some coffee. And he said, I'm a Mormon. I don't drink coffee. And my mom go back, goes back, and she said, do you need some hot chocolate? And he said, yes. And I'm like, you don't drink coffee. This just impressed me. And I would like to know why. And I would like to know what's the point of not drinking coffee. And I started connected with this guy. And my mom trusted him enough to let me go outside and hang out with him. And he's Haitian? Yeah, he's Haitian. Yeah, and so had you ever heard of, you know, he said, I'm a Mormon, which, uh, had you ever heard that word before? I mean, were no. you familiar with the church no, at all? not at all. You knew nothing about nothing, it? Nothing, yeah. And just the fact that he didn't drink coffee was yeah. enough to make you say, what's the deal with this guy? Yeah. Especially when he gets hot chocolate, like, yeah. why no coffee? Because I yes, drink I'd... coffee every single day of my life, you know? <laughs> yeah, and then I... I started become fun with him, and he invited me to church activity every Friday. 
and I go, it's go, go every Friday. Were, were, the, were the local Mormon or uh, Latter-day Saint churches, were the local churches standing still? Yeah. Yeah, they yeah. didn't fall. They didn't fall. So the churches, I, you know, I haven't been to Haiti. I, I haven't actually been to Haiti, but I've, I've been to a lot of countries. Mm-hmm. And the church has quite a standard in building its churches. When the yeah. church builds a church, now sometimes the church will rent out a room or space or whatever. Mm-hmm. They did that in Chile on my mission in some places. But when they build a church, they do build the church as well. Yeah. Uh, so the church was standing. I'm sure there was a place of refuge also. Yeah, there was a place in all the stick. You just go and stay there. The church will provide place for the members and non-members to come and have a safe place to be. Mm. Yeah. Awesome. So you go to church the first time. Do you remember the first time you went to church? What yeah. it was like? Oh, it was a Friday. And this guy invited me to church. Everyone was so happy. And it looks like this guy already tell everyone my name. <laughs> and they're like, welcome, Williamson. Welcome, hey, Williamson. Welcome, Williamson. I'm like... Dude, you didn't know me before. How do you know my name? And that's how I begin to understand that they will know your name because they will let people know that you're coming. They're going to bring you yeah. here yeah. to welcome you. And that's how I feel like, how oh, that's the place to be. And I keep coming every week, every week. And mm. I met the missionaries and they taught me. They taught me about genealogy. They taught me about the temple work. And I asked them question about this lady that was with me under that building. I want to know who's that lady. And you know what? During my mission, I've had some hard time. I saw this lady in so many corners on my mission, just walking in. I saw this lady. And right after my mission, I said to my mom, the things that I saw, the, this lady. And she said, that's my mom. That means that's my mom's mother was with me during that earthquake. And that was her who came to visit me so many times on my mission. Oh. You know? Wow. What an experience. Yeah. And you, didn't, you hadn't known her before? No, my mom didn't even know her, but she had a picture of her. And then you saw the picture and you yeah. knew that and was that woman. and that's her. She always wear a blue dress and that's her. She's black, she has long hair, and she's like smiley. Yeah. That's, Williamson, that's incredible. Yeah. That is so amazing. So you're going to church. Uh, how long did it take after starting the lessons with the missionaries before you decided to get baptized? Like five months. Yeah. Because the earthquake happened in January. I met this guy in February, and I got baptized in July on yeah. my birthday. It's quick. Yeah. All right. The bigger question, how long did it take to stop drinking coffee? <laughs> so easy. Really? So easy. I, okay. fe- I felt like I was ready, you know, but I didn't know how to stop that. I, di- I, didn't, I didn't have anything to convince me. But once they said, this is not something good for you, I felt like, yes, that's true. And I mm. stopped. Once you're ready to receive something, you're not going to fight with it. Awesome. Oh, this is such a great story. This is really amazing. Um, so you end up, you decide to get baptized. Now, you mentioned that you, uh, some of your siblings have also yeah. joined the church. Yeah. Did they start going through the discussions right away with you? Right after I got baptized. So you got baptized first, yeah. on, and then then they started taking exactly. the discussions. Yeah. Now, how did your parents react to this when you came home? It must have been quite surprising to come home and say, hey, mom, dad, I'm I'm going to become a Mormon, or I'm looking at the Mormon church. How did your parents respond? You know what? I... 
when I met the missionaries, I invited them over to my house. They not only meet me, they meet my mom. Mm. Sometimes she's busy to listen to what they're saying, but she's like, that's what I want for you. Mm. You know, she was waiting for that. And my dad, the same thing. They didn't have any problem. It seems like the church just add on top of what my, my parents taught me. Because yeah. all those things, like the love, chastity, honesty, like pain, tidying, all those things, I learned those things from my parents before. The church just come and add more and oh. just make me a better person, make me the kind of person my parents dreamed to see, you know. And I'm just grateful for that. The gospel just changed my whole life. That's something the apostles have always said, and more recently in conference have said, bring what you have. Yeah. Bring what you already have, and let's see if we can add to it. And oh, what a beautiful story. So, And then which of your siblings have become members of the church? My three younger siblings. All three? Yeah, all three. All so three of the younger. Now, the oldest one is serving his mission in Ivory Coast right now. <laughs> Yeah. That is so amazing. He's 18. Yeah. Yeah. So so you were 16 when when the earthquake happened. Yeah. 5 6 months later you joined the church. Yeah. And then uh tell me about the decision to go on a mission. It was the easy decision. Yeah. It was hard cuz my dad wants me to go to Cuba to study and become a doctor. And my mom wants me to do what's good for me. And what's good for me was to serve the Lord. Because I've had some, I've had such a strong determination to serve a mission. I felt like that's what I need to do if I want to be successful. But for my dad, if I want to be successful, I need to go to college first. Yeah. And um, my dad didn't want to sponsor anything. My mom sold everything she has to pay for my mission, my medical mm. part, everything. And I was able to go and serve the Lord. I did serve the Lord with all my heart because that's why I went. Because I knew that there is something special for me to do. And I need to go and do what the Lord asked me to do first so that I can get what's in store for me. And I did serve my mission. And just because I served my mission, there's so many things that happened. I found the love of my life. I could have any amazing woman in my life as my wife. But if I didn't serve the Lord the way I served the Lord, yeah. I will never have a girl like my wife. So I can just see the blessings in your life stacking up, that one blessing becomes another. Yeah. Let's talk about your mission. Where did you serve? I serve in Haiti. You served right in Haiti? Yeah, in my country. So were you, where in Haiti were you called to serve? I was called, usually you just called to serve in Haiti. Yeah, it's the Haiti mission. Yeah, it's Haiti mission. Is it very common for people from Haiti to to stay in Haiti for their mission? Yeah, very common. Yeah, I didn't know that. I actually didn't know that. So now they were able to go to another country right now. Because in 2004, Haiti wasn't safe. And all the missionaries who's not from Haiti, that are not from Haiti, have they need to leave Haiti? Mm. All the U.S. citizen missionaries they yeah. have to leave Haiti, and we only have Haitian missionaries. So, were you serving? Did you serve in Port-au-Prince? Yeah, I served all over Haiti because I was an assistant working at my mission prison for twenty-one months, Ugh. and we were about to serve all over Haiti. Did you see your family while you were on your mission, or no? I did, but when I did, when I saw them, I left. 
<laughs> I remember I was because that must have been so hard. Yeah, when you're assistant, you can go to any conference, you know, because yeah. you're watching over missionaries. Sure. And I went to a conference in my stick, and somebody said to come and say to me, "Your mom's here," and I just said to my companion, "Let's go." Oh, that must have been the hardest and thing. And there in the was world. another time I was leaving the church, the ward, and I saw my little brothers coming, and I go back. And stay in a room for 30 minutes and then left. Because <laughs> I'm fine to see them, but I want to consecrate myself and give it all. Yeah. You know? Wow. Williamson, I, you know, I missed my family like you did when you were on your mission. I don't know. That would have been very hard yeah. to not just walk out and say, hey, whoops. So currently, I, you mentioned in 2004 that, that uh, foreign missionaries were taken out. Of Haiti. Currently, are there foreign missionaries or is it just Haitian missionaries still? It's Haitian. Yeah, they're it's, Haitian. It's all right Haitian. Now. Yeah, it's what a blessing, Haitian. though, to be able to serve in your own country. Yeah. And especially, how much time did you spend doing service? Because there was still, there is still now yeah. rebuilding being done. Oh, yeah. But back then, there was still a lot of rebuilding to be done. Exactly. So, so what was your split of time helping do service versus teaching? Well, there were so many times we don't, we don't just go and teach people. We go and, like, just be with them. Because sometimes they just need us, need the missionaries to come and be with me, you know? Sure. We just go and just be with them, with their kids, not even, not even teach them. Because there is so many things you can do. That will present teaching someone, or I can say that better than just go and then give you a lesson. Yeah. So many times in my on my mission, I just go and then just help someone wash their dishes. It's fine. I, for I me. think we lose sight of that sometimes. That sometimes what people really need first mm-hmm. is just love. Yeah. They just need to know they matter. They need to know that somebody cares about them yeah and they need someone to hang out with and play a game with or talk to or whatever yeah what an incredible mission i can tell just from talking to you the type of missionary you were so the mission great experience it was one of the best experiences of my life and one thing i learned is because we we can love someone without teaching them but we cannot teach someone without loving them so we need to love those people. And I think that's one thing I learned from my mission, you know, love, 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 love. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I I completely agree with what you're saying. Yeah. Love is the key. So you finish your mission. I did. And you go back home. Now, so your mom at this time, so she was attending church very regularly with yeah, your siblings. She did. But your siblings got baptized. Mom says, not getting baptized. She's just like, not yet. I know not she yet. will. Yeah. yeah. And how does your dad feel now about the whole family going to this Mormon church? You know what? On my mission, I met my dad at the mission office so many times. When I got called to be an assistant, my first Monday, you know, when you're assistant, there's no P-Day for you. Because your P-Day is sending report of baptism to other to Utah. Like uh-huh. on my payday, I need to dress as a missionary and then go to the mission office to send all the baptism from send Sunday night. Send all the records. Yeah, yeah, all the records to Utah. And I saw, I met my dad at the office. He just came to ask my mission president, how, how am I doing? Oh, and I love that. I remember 
I met him first time in second time I met him and I said, Dad, what are you doing here? Let me show you something. And I take my white little manual yeah. and I said, Dad, with this, you shouldn't see your family. When you see your family, you something happened. You just like um distract from the work missionary from the missionary work and then you this Africa companion, all those things, I make my dad with that. And then the third time my mission president called me and said, Hello Cynthia, don't say anything to your dad when he came here. Let him come. Because every time he comes here, we always have a discussion about the Book of Mormon. And right after my mission, I remember I was working with my dad. Every time he paid me, he said, remember to pay your tithing. I'm like, how did my dad learn those things? You know, and he's, he's a good guy. He has good wa- relationship yeah. with the leaders in Haiti. Awesome. He's such a great man. I, well, I can tell. Yeah. I can tell just by the way you're talking about him. So you come home from your mission. And what then? What, what comes after your mission? Now, your dad wants you to go study. Uh, I'm sure that was still his goal mm-hmm. for you. Uh-huh. So what did you do after your mission? I want to empower my people. And the things I learned in my mission, I, w- I learned so many things about Haitian, about my people. And after my mission, I want to empower them. And when I decided to come here to the United States. I want to come to study in college. Because I want to come and take opportunity and take it back to my country to serve them. When I first came here to Utah, I didn't have no one to stay with. I didn't have no one. And I was sleeping at my friend's house. He wasn't really my friend. He just accepted me to come to his house. How did you meet this person? So, I've never shared this story. Yeah. But this story is what helps me to love Utah. You know, love that's... Love this city, love this state. When I first came here, I contacted one of my friends and to stay with them while I'm studying English to go to college. And I felt that's not the right place for me to be because they were Mormon, but they, didn't, they weren't doing the right thing. Yeah. It was jumping in the windows, do some other stuff, and I didn't like that kind of life. Mm. And I was going to church. And I remember I met a guy in my ward and I tell him, I'm not feeling good where I'm living now. Can you let me come to your place? And he said, of course, I'm coming to pick you up right now. Wow. And he came pick me up. And this guy right now is living in Boston. He came pick me up and I stay with him. And while I'm living with him, the bishop asked me to come live with them. And I live with my bishop right now while I'm attending my ward. And yeah. that's how I met my beautiful wife in the same ward while I... I was living at my bishop's house, study English every single day because that's why I'm here. And I remember my English was so bad. Every time I took the English test, I fell five times. Wow. I fell five times and at the end I have to go back to my country. Mm. I have to go back. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. So all these things, I, I mean, I can just see the Lord directing your path. I can just see him. I can see him constantly saying, okay, Williamson, here's what's next. And here's what's next. So tell us about meeting your wife. What's your wife's name? Her name is Sharla. Sharla. Yeah, yeah. So it was, she was, she was someone that the Lord put on my path. Cause I remember meeting her was like, was, 
she came to a cookie party in my ward every Monday. You know, single people do something. Yeah. And when she came, she heard about me, a Haitian guy in the ward who's working on going to school, who's living at the bishop's house and at a friend's house. And she introduced her to me, herself to me. And I, I remember I asked her a few questions. I said, did you serve a mission? She said, yes. I said, did you lo- do you love the temple? She said, yes. And I said, do you love the gospel? She said, yes. And I said, can we go to the temple this Thursday? But for her, she thought, I mean, give me a ride because I didn't have no work, no car, nothing. <laughs> but for me... But you meant you wanted to go to the temple with yeah, her. Yeah, I did two things when I came here. I, have a, I came with a smile on my face, but the two things I did was study English and go to the temple because mm. I wasn't working. You know, I didn't have <laughs> yeah. nothing. Yeah. And... We went to the temple. She brought a friend because I thought that was a date. And she thought that was a date. <laughs> and she gave me a ride and we go to the temple. And we started to become close friends, you know, because she knows how to treat foreign people, to treat other people. And she has such a good heart for other people. And she helps me a lot with my English and with my homework. And we become close. And I said, I can't live my life without her and that's how I just tell you how much I love her and I remember I left Utah because I couldn't pass the English test I have to go back to study and then come back again so you went back to Haiti yeah because I want to be legal yeah and if I can't take that test I'm not gonna be legal I I went back because I did want to do exactly what what the law said sure and I went back and I started study every single day and I came back here and I took that test and I passed. Mm. And because I remember I said to the Lord, if you help me pass that English test, I will make you proud. <laughs> yeah. And it did help me. I love that throughout you've got this communication with the Lord. Of course. He's that the you one. Keep, that you keep saying, okay, what's next? And if we can do this and yeah. now this next step. I mean, this is really, really incredible. He's the one. If you let him lead your life. Imagine I came here without nothing, and today I have a family, I have my business, I have place to stay, I have my own place, all those things. So now I'm able to help my people. All those things has nothing to do with me. It has everything to do with the Lord. I knew I had something special to do, but first I have to let him lead my life. Wow. Incredible. So now not only, so you got married. How long did you date before you got married? Like um, a year, yeah, yeah, a year. Yeah. Yeah. It's awesome. A year. And now, it's not just the two of you. It's three. Now it's three. Tell yeah. us tell us about your baby. Well, he's just turning one. Uh, what's his name? His name is Tevin. 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 Beautiful. Oh. And I got to see a picture. Oh. Holy cow, that is a good-looking he's kid. He's so smart, and he has the best mom ever. He is beautiful. I'm well, grateful. Listen, listening to how you talk about your wife is how we should all talk about our wives. No. You know that your face kind of lights up like you just, you get this real excitement when you talk about your wife. Let me tell wife. you what I learned. The Lord will treat us the way we treat our spouse. Do you the know The Lord that? will treat us the way we treat our spouse. Yeah. Like, I mean, your wife. Wow. That's really, really you're, heavy. You're, that's beautiful. Yeah. I mean, but that's deep doctrine. That's, that's deep. No, that's true. The Lord will always treat me right, will treat me good, give me what I want, because... I work hard to provide. I work hard to 
bring joy in my in my wife's face. That's my joy mm. when she's happy. So I know the Lord will always treat me right if I treat my wife right. You know, there are some actual conference talks where they talk about the judgment and when they talk about when we look back on our lives, uh-huh. that one of the number one concerns the Lord will have is how we treated our spouse. Yeah. Oh, I just, Williamson, I love this. I absolutely love it. So now you've got the, the wife, you've got beautiful baby Tevin. Uh-huh. Tevin, right? Yeah, Tevin. Beautiful baby Tevin. You've got the beautiful wife, the awesome family. What are you doing now in your life? Now we, um, first we have our own real estate, you know. We have some rental property and stuff. But the most important thing is we are working in Haiti right now. We have a non-profit organization called Arise Project for Humanity. That's Arise Project for Humanity. Yeah. Yeah. And where can people find out about Arise and tell us what Arise is? I looked it up and it just looks fantastic. Tell us how it started and, and how you're involved with it and everything else about it. I did want to help my country three years ago when I came here. And I didn't know how to help Haiti. And I thought for me helping Haiti was giving Haiti staff. And I sent 5,000 clothes to Haiti. And they stuck. The government didn't want them to go. Because they asked me to pay thousands of dollars for that. To give clothes to children in the street. And I said, I don't have money for that. I can't. And they keep them. And during my conversation with my girlfriend about Haiti, about how I want to help, and she said to me one day, do you know your story can change people in Haiti? Look at where you are from where you were before. You can just start sharing your story to people in Haiti and empower them. And I thought that was the answer because I prayed a lot about that. And one morning I wake up and... Excuse me. I was thinking about what should I do? And something came to my mind. Arise and speak. Arise. And speak. I love it. And I'm like, what? And I said, honey, I heard a voice this morning came to my mind and said, arise and speak. What's going to happen? And she's like, don't you see what's happening? And that's when I started Arise. And that's when I started making video every single day to empower Haitian people. Because one thing I believe is that Haitians are capable of changing their own country. All yeah. they need now, they need teaching. They need someone to help them change their mindset, the way they see themselves. Because I want Haitian youth to become a victor in life and not a victim. I want them to know that they can become anything they want in life. And today, we have a mentoring program in Haiti. We are mentoring 25 youth mm. to teach them to believe in yourself, the power of vision board, the power of affirmations, all those things. Because yeah. we know once your mindset change, your life will change. Mm. And that's what we believe. And this is so consistent with gospel principles, Yeah, which is to help people help themselves. Yeah. And it will do so much more. The program you're doing right now will do so much more than just giving people something. Because exactly. something ends up going away. Exactly. I mean, the truth of the gospel is that we know that things don't last forever. But skills and passion and education, all these things are God's glory. Yeah. And uh, so if people want to get involved with Arise, how can they get involved? Just go on our website, ariseprojectforhumanity.com. 
AriseProjectForHumanity.com. Yeah, or Facebook, Arise Project for Humanity. We have a Facebook page, um, Instagram, or they can contact us. We have a phone number, 801-706-5523. Awesome. You know, there's so many ways you can get involved because we now building a mentoring center. On my birthday, we raised over $20,000 to build that mentoring center. And one of our partner is OUR. I don't know if you know about Tim Ballard. He's fighting. Oh, yeah, Tim Ballard, yeah. He's a good friend of mine. And OUR was able to match all of our donations to help no build that mentoring center. Way. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Uh, OUR does such incredible oh, work. Yeah. I love them. I lo they like, he's like a blotter to me. His first operation was in Haiti, looking for this kid called Gaudi who has been kidnapped, and I'm grateful to be part of that. I'm grateful to be able to serve my country because not only I'm serving my country, but I'm serving myself, you know? Yeah. I'm serving myself, and I'm serving the Lord because I know that I can become successful, but at the same time, I'm serving my country. That's where I can find my success. Wow. I think, you know, very few people from the U.S. have been to Haiti. Mm -hmm. They're just, it's just not a lot of people. It's not somewhere that a lot of people yeah. go. I think that there is a thought about Haiti that, uh -huh. which not that it's not true, but there is a lot of poverty in Haiti still. Uh -huh. um, uh, unfortunately, still crime is high in a lot of parts of Haiti. No. In some of the, is it, has crime gone just way down? So um, Haiti could, wasn't safe in 2004. So now Haiti is safe, but Haiti has a lot of corruption okay, and the maybe, government. Maybe that's more of the issue. Because yeah, I, corruption. I, I actually was just, about two months ago, was just reading on some of the travel warnings. Uh -huh. And there, were, there are still some travel warnings from the State Department on Haiti. There are just still some concerns. Yeah, so I'm not going to say yes or no about that. But one thing I know is wherever we go... If we trust the Lord, he will protect us. Well, and that was going to be my question was, these are maybe some things that people think about Haiti. Mm -hmm. So my question for you is, what do you want people to know about your Haiti? I love that question. Yeah. I, I mean, tell people. Tell people what your Haiti is. Let me tell you one thing about Haiti. You will never come back to your house or to your home if you visit Haiti with the same heart. Like if I took, if I take you to Haiti, you will never come back with the same heart. Your heart will change. I know Haiti is a poor country. The reason Haiti is poor is because the government, that's why we're doing right now. We are teaching youth to become the good leader, to become the harnessed leader, to become the kind of leader when they receive millions of dollars to build a university, they don't just go and build a house for their family in Italy. Or in the United States yeah. with that money. Right. That's what happened to, in Haiti. But to keep it in Haiti. To keep it in Haiti. Like the government in Haiti, all the family lives outside of Haiti. They have the biggest house in the whole world mm. with that money, you know. So now we are teaching youth to become the kind of leaders we want. Yes. And I know Haiti is beautiful. It's pretty. Well, and one of the great things that's happening in Haiti now, it's I think only been... A year and a half or two years, but there's a um, a very big uh, cruise port now uh -huh. in Haiti. Yeah. And so there are a lot of cruise ships that are now stopping in Haiti. And, exactly. And tourism is really taking off. It's yeah. a place that we want to go. My wife and I have talked about going, and I would love to see it, and especially the way you talk about it. Uh-huh. 
you know, you talk about it with such love for your people and, and for the, the actual island itself. Yeah, that's true because Haitians, they are the most hardworking people. Because in Haiti, like here in the United States, we are working to have more money, to reach our goals, to pay debt, to buy another car. But in Haiti, they're working to survive. Mm. If they're working to survive, beautiful people. that means if they found opportunity, they will take it. Yeah. So now we're teaching them now to create opportunity. I love to it. To find joy in the journey. That's what we teach. We are teaching right now because they're good people. They're, they are the most loving people. If you go to Haiti, they will treat you like no one ever did. Like my wife, that's her secret home. Uh, Not because awesome. I ask people to treat my wife. They just do it naturally. That's yeah. who they are. Awesome. Yeah. I, Williamson, your story is beautiful. Thank I you. think that so many people are going to be inspired. Again, the organization is called Arise. Project and for Humanity. Arise Project for Humanity. You can go check it out on Facebook. We will have links to all of this on our Facebook page to try to share it with as many people as possible. Williamson, I can see in your life the Lord's hand at every step. And I can only imagine when you were trapped in that building that all was lost, and yet he was there. Yeah. And for you to take this tragedy and to turn it into such a beautiful life and now a beautiful family and now this organization and all the things that you are doing is so inspiring, and it just makes me wonder, what am I missing in my life? What am I not allowing the Lord? And how? what needs to happen for me to be able to do more? And I, I just love it. And thank you so much. We are going to close the conversation with the question that we ask all of our guests. And that question is, Williamson, what does being a member of the church mean to you? It means the world, it means the world to me, you know. And I will miss ninety percent of the joy in this life if I if I didn't know this gospel. I will miss. I think I will miss um, my purpose in life if I didn't have that the, the gospel in my life. Incredible. Yeah, I absolutely love it. And if you wouldn't mind, I'd love to hear what the gospel means to you. Maybe just a quick few sentences in your native tongue. Yeah. Pour moi, l'évangile là, c'est plus grand cadeau que tu as recevoir dans la vie. Grâce avec l'évangile là, je connais bon Dieu plus bien, je connais Jésus-Christ plus bien. Et grâce avec l'évangile ça, la vie me bénit, la famille me bénit, et moi, beauté la vie, hein. moi, connaissant de Jésus-Christ qui se sauve pour moi, grâce avec l'évangile là, moi, connais que la famille me vivre éternellement pour tout le temps. Beautiful. Survivor. Now activist and just amazing all-around human being with an incredible story, Williamson. Thank you so much for coming on thank you. and sharing your latter-day life thank with us. Thank you. Appreciate it. Wow, my special special thanks to Williamson Sintel. One of the most moving, incredible life stories, and he's 24. Oh, that young man is going to go on to do such amazing things in his life. He already has, but we absolutely love him. We'll have links up on Facebook uh, for his Arise organization, as well as some of the other things that he works on. I just absolutely, you'll meet him, and you will just love him from the minute you meet him. 
You cannot find a better guy than Williamson Sintel and my sincere, sincere gratitude for coming on the show. Thank you, Williamson. Uh, this week in my Latter-day life, well, as of the release of this episode, today is Labor Day. And Labor Day is one of those interesting holidays. It kind of marks the end of summer. I guess most people think of kind of Memorial Day as the kickoff and Labor Day as the end. Labor Day is one of my favorite holidays. Uh, it's because I enjoy summertime. I enjoy it especially uh, if we're at the beach or if we're at a lake or somewhere where it's easy to get cool. But during the work week, man, uh, if I'm in jeans or you know a long sleeve shirt or walking to church in a suit and it's over 90 degrees outside, I get pretty tired of it pretty fast. One of the things that I've noticed, though, is always right around Labor Day, and this happened the other night, at least here in Utah, it starts to cool off, in the evenings at least. I took my dogs out for a walk the other night, and it was so cool, I almost needed a sweatshirt, and I loved it, because we have been in the middle of this uh, just incredibly hot summer. I love the hot summer, but I love the changing of the season. It's why I always love conference. Conferences in April and in October, it's around a time of change. The seasons are changing, leaves are changing. It's just a beautiful, awesome time. And usually by about fall conference, I'm ready for fall. I love the fall and I love the winter, but usually by the time April rolls around for conference, I'm about done with winter. Bring on the spring. And and seasons mean different things depending on where you live. I always laugh because my office, I live in Utah, but our office is in San Diego, and I'm in San Diego every few weeks. And if it drops below 70 degrees, you know it in San Diego because everybody's wearing ski jackets. And uh, I'm there from Utah where it's 20 degrees and just laughing because I'm in a short sleeve t-shirt and shorts. Uh, So to everybody, I guess the changing of the season means different things. In some places, it just means get ready for Christmas or get ready for uh, 4th of July, and the temperature doesn't change a lot. Uh, some Some of the more temperate places, it's like that. When I was on a mission uh, in southern Chile, I was down the southern tip where it would stay dark half the year. Well, yeah, there was the, the two equinox. So so for, for part of the year, it would stay dark most of the day. Like it would get dark at around, you know, 3.30 or 4 in the afternoon. Then the sun wouldn't come up again until 10 a.m. And that got really tiring. But equally tiring was when the sun would go down at like midnight, <laughs> and then would be up again at three o'clock in the morning. That's what happens down close to the South Pole. I just love that it changed up because when we get tired of things, we can change. And to me, it kind of signifies our own lives. It's a good time for us to take a look at our lives and see what's fallen into a rut and see what makes us tired and change those things that we need to change. So I'm grateful for Labor Day. I hope you all have a wonderful day and let's enjoy this last little bit of summer and then bring on the fall. And that is what is happening this week in my Latter-day life. Hey, thank you so much again for tuning in. One more time, if you can, this Thursday night at uh, 7 p.m. Mountain Time, at 7 o'clock uh, Utah time, go check out uh, Linger Longer Live. Linger Longer Live. It'll be, uh, again, four entertainers sitting around topic, talking about uh, Latter-day Saint culture. Should be a lot of fun. We'll look forward to you interacting with us and asking questions. And that can be found on Facebook. And tune in next week when we have another fantastic episode. Actually, next week's episode is just super fun, and I'm really, really excited about it. So again, thank you so much for tuning in. If you enjoy the show, if you'd share it with someone or give us a review, we'd really appreciate it. But until next week, please remember, as always, that there is a great, big, beautiful world out there.
So go be in it, just not of it. Thanks for listening.